What's good news, Money Misfits? This week we are talking about Equifax, the data breach, and what you could be and should be doing to protect yourself moving forward. Let's get it. Welcome to season number five of the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where not only do we want you to get your money, we want you to get your money right. I'm the Money Misfit, and I'll be your host on this show as we try to reveal the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth when it comes to you and your money. And if you're finally ready to take it to the next level, head over and go pick up one of our free resources at yourmoneyright.com. Again, that's yourmoneyright.com. What's the good news, people? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where we talk about money like it's everybody's business. Because I truly believe if we're not good with money, it's because we don't talk about money. And this show is designed to change just that. I'm your host, the Money Misfit, Jamar Dupas. This is episode number 70, Big 7-0. We just keep moving right along, adding one on top of two, on top of another onto another. And it's a lot of fun. So thank you for being here. You know what I like to say every time you come here. I appreciate you. Don't know why you're here. Don't know how you found me, but I do appreciate you being here. This is a different type of personal finance podcast. We talk about money as it relates to real life. We take the ambitious of us all, take the average information that we normally get from big banks and broke people, we break it down, and we figure out how to use that for us to have extraordinary lives, us to really not play the game to not lose, but to play this game to win. And when I say the game, I'm talking about the money game. So before I get going today, quick warning, my kids are awake, so you may hear them in the background. Normally, I record this stuff late at night when they're asleep, when they're napping and things like that. But you know how it is. Time flies. You got to take the opportunity to get in this thing uh, whenever uh, you got the time to do that. So forgive me for that. If you hear the uh, the funness and the cheering and the screaming and the crying or whatever else uh, from the kiddos in the background. But like I said before, I like my kids to be kids and I let them do that. And uh, I'm sure that you will understand because you've got to be the most understanding audience that I've ever known before in my entire life. So with that being said, let's get on with the show. What are we talking about today? We're talking about Equifax. We're talking about data breaches. We're talking about cybersecurity. We're talking about how to protect yourself from all this stuff, right? Because you've probably heard a lot of things about should you freeze your credit? Should you put a credit fraud alert uh, should you just not use credit and will you be protected that way? There's a lot of misinformation out there and there's some lacking information. So I want to give it to you from my perspective, from the money misfit perspective. So not only that, I'm also going to share you my own story, right, of being uh, having my identity taken and stolen uh, and what I do about that on a regular basis and some other tips that you can use to protect yourself on a daily basis. And of course, some insights that nobody else is talking about when it comes to this data breach. So with that being said, if you're not familiar, there are three major credit bureaus. Uh, You got Equifax, you got Experian, you got TransUnion. There's another one called Innovis, but a lot of people don't really talk about them. And there's other different uh, consumer credit councils or associations out there that you don't really hear much about, uh, like check systems and things like that. And different industries have their own proprietary way of 
taking and aggregating your information and then utilizing it to decide whether or not they will do business for you. For example, a checks system is checks as C H E X systems is a, a system that uses whether or not you know, banks use whether or not they want to even give you a checking account. Right. So if you've written bad checks or if you've had overdrafts or if you had checking accounts, that you've kind of abandoned all these things kind of or you just owe banks money. These things will po- kind of pop up on these systems. So those are the three major ones, the Equifax, the TransUnion and the Experian. When it comes to your actual credit, getting credit accounts, getting loans, getting mortgages, getting credit cards that really kind of matter in today's age. And some of that may be changing as we move forward. But of course, you know, I'm going to cover that for you. So you have an understanding of that. But anyway, this is not the first time a credit bureau has been hacked, right? TransUnion a few years ago got hacked as well. But this is the first time, at least that we know of, right, that they decided to admit to us that a credit bureau has been hacked to such great degree. Uh, So according to them, Equifax, that is, they had a hundred and forty three hundred forty eight over hundred forty eight hundred and forty something million people's data is out there in cyberspace, right? So they were hacked, and that data was accessed and when we talk about data, this is not just like you know they could see you know your credit account or whatnot. I'm talking about everything right anything that they need to recreate you to steal your identity. They have. It's out there. Right. Social security numbers, past addresses, credit card numbers, credit card balances, telephone numbers, employment information. I'm talking about just about everything that people need to steal your identity and recreate you as an individual. It's pretty scary, right? <laughs> uh, it's 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 I laugh at it now, but it's sad. And it's, it we should be outraged. Right. Because, number one, here we have these bureaus that take your information, right? You're identifying information without your permission, by the way, right? They did not ask you. You did not opt into the system. They did not call you up and, and ask you to give that information to them. They just took it from wherever, right? They got your information without your without your request. You are participating in this system. And they were so careless as to let this thing, let this information be hacked and gone out to the to the world for other people to utilize it. So it's a scary, scary thing. And we should be outraged, right? We should be severely upset. The problem with that, and if you follow me for a while or know who I am, I don't really like getting upset, right? Because uh, getting upset initially, you know, sometimes it feels good, but then ultimately it's okay. Now that we're upset, we're upset, we're mad. What do we do next? Right? Because I'm a what's next type of guy, right? Like, okay, that's cool. All right. I'm mad. Okay. I'm ticked off, but what do I do about it? Right. Because if there's nothing I can do about it, I let it go. Right. Let God have that and let it go. If there is something I can do about it, I want to know what I can do about it. And I want to get to working on that ASAP. So we should be outraged. We should be upset. But now that we've gone through that, what can we do about this stuff? And what does all this really, really, really mean? And what's the worst that could happen? Right. What's the worst that could happen if somebody takes your identity and use it? Right. And use it to buy things, use it to recreate a second life and things like that. There's a lot of bad things that could happen. Right. But again, that's out of your control. Right. So let me first tell my story. Now, my story is a little bit different because (laughs) I volunteer my information, so to speak. Right. So it was my first year in college. I was a freshman and they were giving away free T-shirts and Frisbees if we sign up for these credit cards. Now, you 
know my history if you've been listening to the show. I don't really have an education. I didn't come up with an education, uh, you know, from the family. We didn't really talk about money much. The only thing that we talked about money when it came to was we can't afford that or money don't go on trees or you need to get a good job so you can get some money. Right. That was kind of the extent of what we did. And my mom taught a lot of personal responsibility in the fact that I had to make my own money to buy my own stuff. But I never really received an education on what to do with my own money, like what to do with the dollars that were coming in. All I knew was just I got dollars and I spend it and I would go to work so I can pay my bills and I get more bills and I would go to work a little bit more so I can pay those. Right. The last thing that I even knew anything about was credit cards. I kind of heard that maybe they're good and maybe they're bad. I didn't really know, but I didn't have a credit card and they were giving away free T-shirts. Right. So why? Why not? You know, give a give a T-shirt for my Social Security number. Sounds like a great deal. It's not like I have to pay for my Social Security number anyway. Right. Terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible. deal. So if you have children, you have teenagers, explain to them the importance of their Social Security number, because I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it I just knew it was some number. Right. And I knew it. My mom told me I should know my Social Security number, but I didn't know why it was so important to know my Social Security number, how much it was tied to my own personal identity and my future. Uh, so talk to your children about the importance of their social security number. But anyway, so I filled out these applications and didn't know anything about it, didn't know anything about security, didn't know anything about my social security number, why I should protect it. And uh, in hindsight, I can see when we would fill out these forms, they would just put these forms on the table. We fill them out. They would give us a T-shirt and these forms would be laying around on the table. And it was easy for somebody just to pick up that piece of paper and just take it. And then they just had your identity. Well, I discovered later that year that there were several credit cards in my name. And I discovered that because this was when cell phones was kind of getting popping, you know, and uh, we were still they were flip phones and they didn't have much animation. It was just, (laughs) you know. Uh, those type of things. So, and I wanted to get a phone and I couldn't get a phone because my credit was jacked up. And I, and I first heard about credit reports and I checked my credit reports and I got like all these credit cards on here that I didn't fill out. Right. I didn't know anything about it. And so come to find out they had stole my identity, opened up credit accounts and maxed these things all the way out. Now I didn't know anything about this stuff. I didn't know what to do at that time. Um, I, on my credit report, there was a post office box that wasn't mine. I realized that. And I, I tried to, contact the police. I tried to contact the PO box. I tried. I really didn't know what to do. Right. But either way, I had my identity stolen. And this was a little bit over 15 years ago now, freshman in college, 2000, year, 2017, 2018, whenever you listen to this was in 2000, 2000, 2001. And just about every year since then, I've had issues with my information being out. Right. I've had information. I had issues with credit card fraud, things like that. So what have I done about it? And that's kind of what I want to share with you today. And also want to say that even if you go over to Equifax and you put in your information to see if you've been uh, hacked, if your information has possibly gotten gotten compromised, let me just say this. You need to act as if your information has been compromised because I can almost guarantee you your information is out there. Okay, if this has happened with Equifax, and mind you, it took them months before they even told us about it. Right. So, you know, this ain't going to be the last time either. So if it even even if they didn't get you when they say it's one hundred and forty something million people, there's only three hundred something million people in the United States. Right. And most of those are children. <laughs> OK. And their credit reports are probably not the ones that they got. Right. So just go ahead and assume, assume that your information was hacked. 
even if it wasn't hacked, like I was involved in the Home Depot deal that got hit. I think we were involved in the Target deal. I've been involved in other companies that's gotten hacked with my credit card information and stuff like that has been in there, right? Those are usually easy to, to settle. You just close the account and blah, blah, blah. But go ahead and assume that your information is out there. And if it's not out there, it will be out there at some point and some time. So what are the things that I've done to kind of mitigate and, and stay on top of that? Well, basically what I've done is I've put alerts on everything, right? Absolutely everything. So anytime a transaction is run through any of my credit cards, there's an alert on it. Uh, on my credit reports, I put alerts on those on, you know, I use tools like Credit Karma and, and um, Credit Sesame, things like that. And we're going to talk about that here later. But basically what I do is I put alerts on every single thing. So anytime there's a transaction that's in my name anywhere, I put an alert on it and I'm talking about everything that I can do. Right. So if somebody puts my name out there, right, like on Google, you can set up Google alerts, put your name out there and see if anybody ever mentioned you or your name anywhere on the Internet. Google will alert you and say, hey, your name was mentioned here. So, you know that uh, anytime a credit card transaction is, is done, I get an alert for that. Anytime a debit card deal is done, I get an alert for that. Any type of deposit, any of this stuff that gets done, I get an alert for that. I also get alerts for my credit report. Anytime somebody inquires, anytime something changes on my credit report, even if I did it, I get those alerts on those. Right. So those are kind of like the first steps you need to take because you can do that. Now, you've probably heard that people say uh, you can go and you can uh, freeze your credit account or you can go and you can set up a fraud alert or you can get a, a credit monitoring service. First of all, let's talk about what the difference between those three are, because there are three different things. Right. So. When you do a credit freeze, basically what you do is you go to the, the three credit bureaus or four if you're counting Innovis. I think that's how you spell it or pronounce it. It's I-N-N-O-V-I-S. But anyway, you put a credit freeze on those accounts. So what happens is anytime someone tries to open an account, they're not allowed to, right? You can't open an account unless you uh, unfreeze the account. And the only person that can unfreeze the account is the person that froze the account in the first place, Right. So that's something you need to think about. Hey, Misfits, I have to interrupt you. Sorry about that. I just made a big gap. After going back and listening to this, I realized that I was talking, I'm going to be talking out of both sides of my neck. Now, I just said that they cannot open up a new credit account if you have a freeze on your credit report. That is not true. Okay, what I just said, scratch that. I'm going to correct myself here in a bit but just pay attention just let you know that they still can't open up accounts and they still can't put negative things on your report it's just if they check your credit report when you have a freeze they won't be able to make a decision based on that but anyway back to the regular scheduled program so what is a fraud alert this is a little bit different so a fraud alert just basically means if anybody tries to run your credit a fraud alert will come up and it will uh, basically prompt them to dig further into who you are, whoever it is applying for it. Right. So they'll want more information outside of just your Social Security number. They want to make sure all your information matches up with your your records. So then they can go that now a fraud alert is not foolproof, but it's a good idea to have at the very minimum. It's not foolproof because some companies don't necessarily have to dig further. It just puts an alert and says, hey, this may be a fraudulent transaction. You might want to dig in and they can decide to go 
well, I don't care. I want to sell this couch or I want to sell this car or I'm going to give this credit card anyway. So it's not 100% foolproof. Well, neither is credit freezing either, but we'll go on. And then you have credit monitoring, right? These are the kind of the services that you hear, like Equifax. They said, you know, if you've been compromised, they'll give you one year of free credit monitoring, right? And basically what that is, is you pay a monthly fee and there'll be some company that's out there. And anytime there's anything changes on your credit report, they will alert you uh, of that change, right? Let you know this is going on, right? So if you ever seen that, <laughs> that commercial, that security commercial where these uh, bank robbers go into the deal and this lady goes to the security guard and asks for help. And he's like, you know, I'm not a security guard. I'm just a security monitor. Right. So he's not going to do anything about it, but he'll let you know, say, hey, there's something happening right now. They're not going to do anything about it. Now, there are some companies, one that I can think of in particular is LifeLock. They'll actually monitor you, monitor your credit for you and they will uh help you fix the situation, right? So if your your taxes have been filed before you or by somebody else's or you you know your information has been compromised, they'll kind of dig in and get to the bottom of it. They'll help you create a police report. They'll help you find out who it is. They'll help you close the accounts. They'll help you mitigate the problem and clear up your credit accounts. So that's one service that may be worth paying for, but the other services like credit monitoring, I wouldn't pay for those because you can get those free from the two, at least two resources I know of that I've already mentioned. One, uh, Credit Karma, and then the other is Credit Sesame, and I'll put all this stuff in the show notes as well. Um, And also, you can get these credit uh, monitoring deals through your credit card company. So if you have a credit card, a lot of these credit card companies will actually do the monitoring for you and set up alerts and all that stuff. Those are also free uh, free for you to use. But like I said, make sure that you're setting up alerts for everything, even if from Google alerts or transactional alerts from your debit cards, your credit cards, set up alerts on all that stuff. A couple of the things that I do uh, that may be helpful. I don't use my debit card. I don't use my, I rarely ever use my debit card. If I use my debit card, it may be just to get some cash out the ATM. I use credit cards for everything. And one of the reasons I do that is because credit cards usually are no questions asked. Number one, it's somebody else's money, right? It ain't my money. It's the credit company's money. But if there is a, a charge on there that you did not that you did not make, it's not your money that gets gone. And they usually do a no questions asked deal. They'll say, hey, did you make this charge? You go, no, they're just going to cut it, right? And you're good to go. Uh, and you don't have to worry about that. So they're quicker with that. Now, with the banks, I use credit unions for the most part. And credit unions are usually smaller and they don't have sometimes they don't have as much technology as the big banks. But I just hate dealing with big banks. One of the reasons I hate dealing with big banks, which is also part of my story, is because they don't care about your information either. I wouldn't plan on sharing this, but Wells Fargo actually at one point gave my information to somebody else, <laughs> like all my information, like so much of my information, like they even gave this lady my checking account. And how I found this out was, this is an interesting story, crazy. Uh, how I found this out was uh, I get this big deposit into my checking account one day. It was my Wells Fargo account. I get this huge deposit and the deposit is from the U.S. government. Now, I'm a black man in America, right? And um, although reparations should probably be something <laughs> that should be distributed out, I know that the U.S. government was not giving out reparations check and they, there's no services I provided for them. And so there should not have been a check or a deposit into my account, directly into my account from the U.S. government, because one, I don't trust them. Right. And again, 
let me mention I'm a black man in America, right? So I'm not accepting dollars like that randomly from the U.S. government. So I see this thing, this deposit, it's like six, seven, eight thousand dollars. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was from the U.S. government. And I'm like, absolutely not. So I called up Wells Fargo and I said, hey, I got this deposit into my account. And it ain't mine. I didn't put that money in there. I don't know where it came from. Uh, so we need to investigate this. And they try to minimize it like, oh, it's it's fine. I mean, it's it's your money now. It's been deposited so you can go ahead and use it. I'm like, nah, that no. Nah. Again, black man in America. I don't trust this. This is a setup. <laughs> right. No, no way. Right. Uh, we'll come to find out. Make the long story longer. I get a call from this lady and this lady's like, hey, you have my tax refund. And I'm like, who the heck is this? And what are you talking about? And she says, I deposited you know, she gave me the exact number and it's in your account and you have it. And I want my money back. And I was like, look, lady, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're up to. I said, but I'm calling the police. So uh, we're going to get this situated because that money came to my account and I've already froze the account. So I don't know what you got to do, but I ain't dealing with it uh, and I'm not dealing with you. And then she goes and tell me uh, she calls me back and she goes to tell me she's like, look, I have all your information. I was going through my accounts. And I have all your information. What you mean you got all my information? So now I'm thinking this is some type of Nigerian scam or or some I don't know what the heck is going on. I've already been skeptical, number one, right? Because again, check deposited from the US government. And then she tells me that she has all my information. I said, You need to send me all the information right now. And she does. She puts the envelope that Wells Fargo sent her, sends it to me, certified mail, and there it was. It was a, a white envelope with her name on it. And when I opened but inside the envelope, there's a folder, you know, if you go to Wells Fargo, and you open up a new account, they give you like a little folder with your checking account information, your name and all. It had all of my information in this folder. Now, mind you, at this point, I had been with Wells Fargo for years, right? Years. So this is not like I just opened up an account a week ago or two weeks ago or a few months ago and it kind of got mixed. I had been with them for years and they sent this lady all my when I say all my information, my oh, I had social security numbers on there, I had addresses, I had bank account numbers, I had it was everything on this deal, right? So that's just coming from that company. Now they've been in the news lately over the past couple of years doing some fraudulent stuff, but that's one of the reasons why I don't do business with them because once I tried to get reconciliation for that, they tried to shut me up and shut me down, right? And nobody apologized. They made it seem like it was my fault, yada yada yada. But anyway, so that's why I don't deal with big banks, but. Back to what I was saying. So because uh, credit companies or or credit unions and smaller banks don't have as much of the technology that's out there, I try to stay away from using my debit card and my checks whenever it's possible. Um, And I never give access to my bank account to anyone unless I have to um, for some, you know, like I have to pay my mortgage has to come through. I can't pay my mortgage on a credit card. Right. So they have to have my routing number and my bank account number for me to pay my mortgage. Right. So that's about it. Uh, The other thing you want to do is I've talked about this before is you want to check your credit reports regularly. Right. So if you have something, if you use the free tools like Credit Sesame and Credit Karma, that's a good way to get started. But also check your actual credit reports and you can get your credit report for free at least once a year from the three big bureaus, according to the government. And that website is annualcreditreport.com. Remember, it's annualcreditreport.com, not freecreditreport.com, not any of these other creditreport.coms. It's annualcreditreport.com. 
You put in your information and you get to you get a free copy of your credit report at least once a year. If you're ever denied for credit, if you ever feel like you've been fraud, if you've had a fraud alert, something like that, you can get it for free for that as well. But if you hadn't had any of that stuff, you get it free at least once per year for each of the bureaus. So make sure you check all three of those credit reports, Experian, TransUnion and Equifax. And you can do that regularly. Uh, one of the things I learned from the His and Her Money show, which have they have a cool podcast and a website, they talk about how they do theirs. They will check their Equifax in like, you know, the first third of the year. They'll check like the transfer, the TransUnion in the middle of the year. And towards the end of the year, they'll check the Experian. That way they can get three free re- credit reports kind of throughout the year to kind of monitor what's going on. Uh, if you've never done that, go ahead and do all three at the same time, especially if you're working on your credit. You want to get all three anyway. So you can see if there's any errors and get any of those errors that are on there fixed. 81% of all credit reports have errors on them, right? That was a research done by the credit bureaus themselves and found out that over 80% of credit reports have errors on them. So get those things fixed. You'll find out that uh, a bad address can have a bad account on there. And just if you get rid of that address, that bad account will go with it. That's kind of what happened once I figured out how to do uh, fix my credit back in the day is that PO box that wasn't mine. I got that PO box deleted and then the accounts that were on that P or associated with that PO box fell off as well. So uh, you want to check for any any of that stuff that's on there. One of the big issues dealing with your information and having your data out there is tax fraud. Right. So people have discovered that they would go to get their tax refund or do their taxes for the year and find out that their taxes has already been filed. OK, that's a big problem. And those of us who those of you who've had your data out there, especially in this latest breach, if you're due a tax refund, you've got to be diligent and on the on your toes this year, because that's probably going to be one of our big issues this year coming up. It's because people will get out there and they will file their tax, your taxes on your behalf to get a free uh, a refund before you get a chance to do your taxes. Right. So be on the lookout for that. Now, the IRS has put up some stuff, some new things. That they will help trigger things like, for for example, if you do the e-filing system and a lot of times they'll allow you to do a direct deposit into your account. If the account that these people will try to use this year is different than the account that you used last year, it probably won't let them file. It'll, it'll send off an alert and won't let them file. Right. So there's a couple of little things like that that the IRS is putting in place to kind of sniff out tax fraud. Okay. So uh, you have some things like that. And they even have a website or a page on their website that'll help you kind of determine what you should do if you discover that your taxes have already been filed before you. And I'll put a link to that page inside the show notes as well. And again, the show notes, for those who don't know, is at yourmoneyright.com. For this particular episode, it's yourmoneyright.com forward slash 70, 70. Right. So your money, your money, right.com forward slash seven zero, the number seven zero. OK, so what are some of the things that can happen? So a lot of people believe like, look, if you just freeze your accounts, you should be good. Now, I personally did not freeze my accounts. And there's a couple of reasons why I did not do that. Uh, number one, uh, didn't want to pay for it, which is not a big deal. They're only a few dollars. Some of the places, some of them are free, depends on your state. But I didn't want to go to the hassle of it because to unfreeze your account, you have to know a PIN number. And I'm notoriously bad with forgetting PIN numbers. <laughs> right. So it's one of the reasons I did. The other reason is I'm I still actively use my credit. Right. So those of you know, I'm a real big proponent for using credit to 
advance yourself, right? So me and my wife, you've heard us tell these stories before. We've taken our credit scores from the the low fives and low 600s into the, the, the mid to high and even in the 800s. Most of my credit scores are in the 800s today. So I still utilize my credit actively. Uh, I'm actually getting ready to get a line of credit here soon and then also do a refinance for some other reasons. But I'll talk to you all about that later. Uh, so I did not freeze my account. The other thing is, again, I have all these alerts set up. So if I do sense something or I see something, see something, I can go to work on that right then and there. So that's why I have not freeze frozen my accounts. Now, there's also this idea that freezing your accounts creates this lock solid, you know, bubble of security around you, which is just not true because people can still just because they can't check your credit doesn't mean they can't give you a credit account. Okay. So when they freeze your account, this is the part that nobody tells you. When they freeze your account, people can still add accounts to your credit report, right? They just can't access your credit report to make a decision based on whether or not they want to give you credit, right? So if you have a good history with a particular company, they can still give you credit, right? If you go to... One of these, if somebody stole your identity, go to one of these shady car dealerships, right? They can still give them a car in your name, right? They just may not check your credit. You've seen these places go, no credit check, uh, no money down, uh, no credit check for the furniture, no no credit check for the the cars and all. So people can still open up credit accounts in your name, even though your credit is frozen, right? Because... These people don't have to like if you came to me and say, hey, I want to borrow a thousand dollars. Right. And I said, I'm going to check your credit. But then there's a freeze on it and say, well, I can't check your credit report. So I know you. I know your mama. I know your daddy. I'll go ahead and give you this thousand dollars. Right now. Watch this. If you don't pay me back my money as per agreement, I can still add that bad account onto your credit report. Even though it's frozen. Right. I might even be able to check your credit report to see if I can give you credit, but I can still add that bad account onto your credit report, even though it's frozen. Right. So having that does not completely protect you from bad people doing bad things with your name. Okay, so they can still open accounts. They can still create IDs. They can still file taxes. There's other things that people can do with your information. So don't ever think just because I froze my credit that I'm all taken care of. Also, do not think that just because you don't use credit cards or you don't use credit or you don't use debt or whatever the case may be, that your information is not out there. It doesn't matter if you don't have anything on your credit report. They still have your information. They still have your past addresses. They still have your social security numbers. They still have all that stuff. Your birthday, they have all that stuff on file on you just in general, right? So don't forget about those things, okay? A couple of things that I use, like I talked about before, to help protect myself is whenever possible, especially like passwords online. I utilize, I have an iPhone and we use pretty much Apple products and I also use Chrome. Chrome can do this as well as a web browser. But I let Apple, I let my Safari browser, I let my Chrome browser create passwords for me. They create really tough passwords that is really hard to crack. Uh, I let them create that for me because I can go back and look later on to see what those passwords are if I need to through my phone or even check inside your web browser accounts and things like that. And these accounts are usually password protected as well. So if you have one major password 
that you know it's really good, it's it's really well done, and you can remember, then that's usually how I do it because I I have a difficult time remembering a ton of passwords. Uh, so I utilize those particular tools. There's other tools out there that utilize that. One uh, password is one of the things that I could think of. It's a company that allows you to really have like one master password and you can store all your other passwords in that. Now, of course, there's also a risk if that gets hacked and they have all your passwords and boom, there you go. But these people are usually on top of this thing all the time because all they do is security. Right. So those are options. The other option, uh, the other thing that I do is I use two factor authentication whenever it's possible. So basically all that means is if somebody was trying to log into one of my accounts somewhere else, like for for example, my bank account, they tried to log into my bank account at a computer or something that it's not recognized by my account. I will get an alert on my phone and it would also require them to enter a secondary password that has to be sent to my cell phone and then entered on their web browser uh, in order to get access to my account. Even if they do have my password to that particular account, there's now a two factor uh, a two factor security deal there. Right. So they have to have not only my password, but also this code that came up off my phone as well. So, of course, I need to make sure I have my phone with me at all times. But of course, most phones, at least the ones that I deal with, right? Like I said, we use Apple products. So uh, if I were to lose my my iPhone, right, uh, I can set it up to where I just brick it, right? So nobody can use it anymore. So if I get if it gets lost or stolen or whatnot, and of course, I can also track it. So it's one of the reasons why I use these phones or one of the reasons why I spend a lot of money on this particular technology because, you know, our phones are, you know, an extension of us these days. It's like your wallet. It's like your ID. It's like your social security number. That's how we protect our phones these days because there's so much of our lives are on them. But anyway, so I utilize two-factor authentication whenever possible. And then the other thing is, of course, the biometrics, right? I use the the thumbprint deal, the touch ID on my phone uh, whenever it's possible for like for, for Apple Pay. You can do this with Google Pay and uh, other different type of uh, online wallets where they will utilize your thumbprint or some type of biometric scanning system or whatnot that only you have or maybe you and maybe one other person in the world that probably is, you know, the odds of you having the same thumbprint or, you know, a million to one or some crazy stuff like that. But anyway, I like to utilize a token system whenever possible when I'm making purchases. So, so for example, like I told you earlier, I got my credit card information, uh, or actually my debit account information was compromised in the uh, Home Depot hack about three or four years ago, which is one of the reasons why I don't use my debit card on purchases anymore. I learned from that. But anyway, so now when I go to Home Depot, I utilize Apple Pay. And why I do that is because when you utilize something like Apple Pay or some type of token system, your credit card information never actually goes across to the merchant. The only thing the merchant sees is a yes or a no to authorize that transaction. Now, you put your credit card information into your, say, your iPhone, for example, and then you authenticate that one time with your thumbprint. So now every time that you need to make a purchase, you utilize your thumbprint to authenticate that from your end. But because that connection has already been made once, that your phone actually will send over a token to that merchant. And that merchant would, like I said, just say yay or nay. Therefore, your credit card and information and your numbers are never never sent over the airwaves, right? It never transpires. So if somebody were to hack into their system, you don't have a credit card number in there. All you have is a token and that token can't be traced back to you in that matter. 
Another cool thing uh, that I know one credit card company is doing, I think they're called Final. I think their website is getfinal.com. Again, I'll post all the stuff in the show notes. But getfinal.com, what they do is a really cool deal that you can assign a different credit card number for each merchant that you deal with, right? So for example, if I have a Netflix account, I can create a credit card number specifically for Netflix. And not only that, is I can create a credit card number and a certain dollar amount that they cannot exceed or it will automatically decline. So every year, my Netflix account, every month I get billed $10.81 from Netflix, right? So I can set up a credit card number specifically for Netflix for $10.81 once a month. If it were to exceed that, it would automatically decline. So if Netflix were to get hacked and that credit card number is in Netflix database and a thief tries to use that credit card number, it would just get declined because it can only be used at Netflix once a month for $10.81. So this particular credit card company allows you to make this and quite easily, I might add. Now, let me also say disclaimer, I do not have an, an account with this company. This is just based on reading their information, reading their website, and I've been following them since they were kind of in the in the pre pre-launch stage. So it's a really cool idea. And I'm hoping that other companies come around and utilize this technology as well, which I believe they will. But anyway, so you can make an infinite number of credit card accounts and it doesn't matter if, you know, Home Depot or Netflix or whoever gets hacked and your information is in there because that credit card number doesn't matter. And then even if it does get hacked, you can just delete the credit card number And you don't have to cut your card up, send it in, wait to get another one. You just process or generate a new credit card number and off you go. So it's a really cool deal. Again, I'll put that in the show notes. But there's a ton of things like that that's out there that that can help you protect yourself on a day to day basis. Right. Not sharing your pin code, people, you know, not just having letting anybody have access to your stuff. You know, those basic things. But these are some of the things that you should be doing and can be doing moving forward as our lives become more and more digital. Now, there's some other technologies that's coming down a, down a, a pipe chain, things like Bitcoin uh, or blockchain, I should say. B- Bitcoin is not completely safe at this moment, but the technology of blockchain, which Bitcoin is built upon, is a pretty secure deal, and it's a pretty neat thing. And I'll talk about that more uh, because, you know, I like to geek out on some of these things. Um, and, of course, I'll be bringing that stuff to you from my perspective and things that you should probably know and just keep you prepared for, you know, when things start transitioning over to these types of technology. So with that being said, that's all I got today. Man, hope that wouldn't uh, <laughs> hope that wouldn't information overload. But again, like I said, you guys can go to the show notes at yourmoneyright.com forward slash 70. And of course, remember, I have clickable timestamps. So all these little areas within the show will be timestamps. All you have to do is click on it and it will take you right to that time period. Uh, on the player that's on our website. So you can come back and reference that anytime you want. You don't have to listen to the entire show all over again. But you probably, you know, it's not a bad idea to listen to it again, especially if you're on your commute and you're doing things right now. So that's all I got for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you could, if you could think of one person, just one, one individual that you think can benefit from this, do me a favor and share this out with them. That's the only way this this podcast grows and this information gets out is if you share that with people that you think about, that you care about, or you think that can benefit from the information that you heard today. And I do appreciate all of you who have been doing that. One of the other things you could do to help out the show is to leave a rating and review on iTunes. If you're on Stitcher, leave it on, on Stitcher as well. 
And if you're not on any of those, come over to our Facebook group, join the Money Misfits, leave a comment there, or even do it on our website, leave a comment on our show notes. Those are also greatly appreciated because I take that stuff and that's how I decide what type of show to uh, to produce, to create, you know? So uh, do that for me if you have a chance to do so. With that being said, I'm going to get on off this microphone. Again, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate you being here. I love you and God bless. MPS. MPS. We're talking about money, 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 cash, cash, cash. I said we're talking about money.